Welcome to the Tummy Team Journey Podcast, where we share how functional core rehab can actually change your life. We share the stories of clients and professionals who have done Tummy Team programs, and we share so much more than that. I'm Kelly Dean, physical therapist and founder of the Tummy Team. I'm passionate about helping people find profound healing beyond the physical healing, but also emotional healing to be strong and pain-free for the life they were meant to live. Welcome to this episode of the Tubby Team Journey podcast. And today I'm going to be talking about two topics that might seem um, separate, but they're actually really connected. And I think that it's going to cover a lot of information that might be helpful to a lot of different people. So we're going to be talking today about diastasis recti and how it presents in babies, toddlers, and young children. And we're also going to be talking about how diastasis recti plays a role in our digestion or how digestion issues can play a role in a diastasis not being able to heal effectively and how it's all connected and how treating um, the diastasis and the functional core weakness and some of the coordination issues can resolve longstanding intestinal problems and so much more. Um, And it's connected because there's a lot of things going on with little kids that um, related to if they have a diastasis that's not healing, that's related to their intestinal tract function. So we're going to pull it all together for you and kind of combine both topics and hopefully it'll make some sense. So first thing, you know, just as a reminder, most of you guys that follow me know enough about diastasis recti to know this, but you know, maybe this is the first time you're hearing about this condition. So Diastasis recti is um, a separation of the abdominal wall where the connective tissue right down the middle of your abdominal wall stretches out thin and pulls the right and left side apart so that there's not that strong corset feeling. It's really a, leaves you with kind of deflated belly or a tenting, doming tummy, a bulge like that's a football or a tent or a trench in your belly. And it's, uh, it's really common in um, prenatal postpartum women because the amount of stretching that happens, but it's really relevant in anybody that has muscle imbalance in their core or has been doing a lot of forward forceful pressure on the abdominal wall. And forward forceful pressure on the abdominal wall can look like chronic coughing, can look like chronic uh, uh distension or bloating of the tummy, but it also can be poor posture. It can be holding the breath and bearing down for bowel movements. It can be crunches, sit-ups. It can be bracing your tummy, pushing out a little bit to hold your pants up or put pushing out on your tummy a little bit to stabilize your back or to protect your 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 yourself from like uh, impact or trauma. There's lots of reasons that we have that forward forceful pressure. But what happens when our body is in a constant state of pushing out on the abdominal wall is the connective tissue that runs right down the center starts to to kind of pull apart. And then if on top of that, we have other things going on that might affect um, the integrity of the elasticity in our connective tissue, whether that's stress or diet or hormonal changes or different things like that, that can affect the um, even just you know um, nutrition things in people and and different 
medical conditions can can contribute to that. So there's a lot of things connected that could contribute to the diastasis or can be a part of the diastasis. But there's a couple things specifically that we need to know about kids and about babies. Um, there's some key things that we know we need to understand about diastasis and about babies in general. Everybody, every one of us was born with a diastasis. We there that's I believe part of the reason that that connective tissue is down the center of the abdominal wall to allow a space for the umbilical cord to come through the abdominal wall and connect to the placenta, right? And so the other reason that I believe that connective tissue is there is to allow for the expansion that happens um, in pregnancy and delivery. So that there's, there's supposed to be some ability for our body to stretch and it not just be all muscle, 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 but some, some actual uh, ability for the muscle to stretch or to separate when it's needed to. And so when we're a baby, there's a need. The umbilical cord kind of comes through. And then after you're born, you know, they tie off the umbilical cord and it slowly retracts into your body. It retracts into your body and it pulls that little knot kind of in and it, then it scars down. At some point, it scars down, giving most people a little inny belly button. And then the two sides that were separated slowly kind of come together as the baby rolls around and starts to develop and starts to use its muscles to kind of squirm and, and lift its head up and all of those things that the core helps you actually do, crawl and sit and stand and all of those things. So I think in most cases, that separation heals and closes up in the first year to three years of life. Occasionally it takes longer. Um, sometimes it takes up to seven years before it's completely kind of closed and knitted together. But there's usually something going on if it's not healing pretty rapidly. Um, and, and that thing that's going on is some form of, typically some form of chronic forward forceful pressure on the abdominal wall that's keeping the two sides from coming together that's keeping the umbilical cord or the umbilicus root from tethering down and anchoring that belly button in. Just like in adults, if we are constantly pushing out on a muscle that's supposed to elongate us and draw in for support, but we're pushing out, dysfunction is going to occur and that pressure is not ideal. It's not how the body was designed to function. We can use it kind of in a compensation way um, to, to create support and stability, but it's not actually the design of the muscles or that connective tissue to have that constant force on there. So it just keeps those two sides from coming together. It's just like a wedge in there. In babies, toddlers, and even young children, the typical forms or causes of that forward forceful abdominal pressure are constipation, bloating, like some form of distended abdominal wall, maybe from malnutrition or from some kind of food intolerance and a buildup of excessive gas or, or some, kind of, um, some kind of intestinal disturbance that's kind of pushing out on the tummy. Um, maybe you had a, a baby that didn't tolerate um, formula well or didn't tolerate certain things that you ate, like was really gassy, like my son was really gassy 
Um, if I had any kind of garlic, he would be very fussy. His stomach would blow up like a balloon. Um, if I had any kind of onions or broccoli, anything that was gassy in me was gassy in my breast milk. And then they had to have this distended, really angry tummy. So if that's going on for a really long time, um, it can keep the abdominal wall from coming together. Uh, sometimes it's not as cut and dry of knowing what is causing that crampy tummy feeling, but that inevitably, if there is some abdominal digestive issues going on in the baby or the toddler or even the young child, it affects that. It causes that forward forceful pressure out. Um, in addition, you know, if they're constipated or having some difficulty having bowel movements, there's this kind of holding their breath bearing down that even little babies we can see do. And you can sometimes see their belly tent a little bit or bulge a little bit if that connective tissue hasn't had enough opportunity to heal. Um, colicky babies or babies that have series of really bouts of forceful crying for whatever reason, um, that, that really angry crying, that really um, irritable crying can put can can store up tension in the abdominal wall and could be pushing out on this vulnerable area that hasn't quite healed yet and so it can keep it separated um and if if after a while it's been separated for a while the kids start to use the baby and the toddler start to use that kind of pushed out strategy for other kind of movements and other kinds of developmental um, things that they're doing, like rolling and crawling, they start pushing out because that's a strategy that their body was using a lot. Um, also, sometimes I see like respiratory issues that are in kids. Sometimes it's underdeveloped lungs where they had to do a lot of forced um, breathing uh, or chronic coughing, you know, allergies or some illness when they were little where they coughed and coughed and coughed and coughed and coughed and their belly just pushed out and pushed out and pushed out and pushed out. And pushed out. And I think some of us can relate to that if we've had like a chronic cough from some kind of illness where we're coughing and coughing, our stomach's pushing and pushing out. And a lot of times that's when women will say, oh my gosh, my, my pelvic, start, pelvic floor started to, to fail me because of this long, prolonged allergy season or this long, prolonged coughing fit. Um, and because if the belly is pushing out, pushing out, pushing out, then off, often the pelvic floor is pushing down, pushing down, pushing down, and there comes to be a breaking point um, in that structure, in the structural support. So we see that a lot um, occasionally in kiddos as well. And then the other thing that's less typical but still possible is muscle tone issues. Um, we all have different levels of muscle tone that are within normal limits, but then there's kind of outlying muscle tone limit or issues, kind of like um, a child that's very low tone. For example, kids that struggle with or have Down syndrome tend to have low tone, which means their muscles are very loose and weak and their trunk control, their core muscles, postural muscles specifically have low tone and don't have enough muscle tone to hold them up. So they have delays in some of their um, physical development and motor development. Um, but then there's also high tone. So cerebral palsy is an example of high tone. Spina bifida can be some high tone and low tone issues, but high tone is where the muscles are really tense or really tight in areas. So then your body looks for compensation patterns to get the movement it needs. So low tone or high tone can create 
circumstances where the the baby or toddler or young child um, uses abdominal pressure to kind of brace and stabilize, holding their breath, tensing up their tummy, pushing out on their tummy to wiggle across the floor, to reach up onto, you know, the top of the crib, to do some of the things that they want to do, they'll find a way to do it. And if they don't have the muscle um, balance or the muscle support or the muscle tone they need, they'll find another way to get there. And sometimes that way is pushing out on the abdominal wall. So those are kind of the most common things you see in kids of why the diastasis doesn't naturally close. And it could be other things, but those are, I would say, the most common things. And of those, the most common by far is digestion, is the constipation factor, is the gassy, bloated bellies, um, and that pressure from the tummy. And that is why I wanted to talk more about the digestion component, because the natural question for people listening to this podcast that maybe can't relate to why this would be relevant with kids, maybe they don't have little kids anymore and never had a little kid or didn't have a kid with a diastasis, why would they listen to this information? Well, the digestion component is something that affects all of us. And, you know, one of the functions of our abdominal wall, specifically that transverse abdominus, the corset muscle, is to provide support and, and compression on the abdominal organs and the intestinal tract. So if you have a diastasis as an adult or as a child, you have that weakened area right down the midline, that separation of the abdominal wall. And like we've said many times, diastasis is almost always, if not always, connected to a functional core weakness, an inability of the core muscles to do the jobs they need to do functionally. So so we often have this this, uh, deflated or distended abdominal wall in addition to the diastasis and that creates a really vulnerable place for our tummy Um, and it does um, impact how the the organs that that abdominal wall is supposed to be supporting how those those organs function so one thing to think about is you know our body is put together in a specific way there's a design a beautiful design where the position of, there's, there's a reason that our stomach is where it's at and our intestinal tract's where it's at and our rectum's where it's at and how everything works together in a kind of a beautiful machinery type way. And if the, the organs are not being supported over a long period of time, they can shift slightly or significantly out of their optimal alignment and then that affects their optimal function. So it can affect how the stomach functions or how your bladder functions or how your uterus functions. You know, it can specifically affect how your intestinal tract functions. So your intestinal tract uses peristalsis. It's kind of like this squeeze, release, squeeze, release to kind of push the waste product from the stomach kind of through your intestinal tract so we can get any other nutrition out of there, but also using you know, that that kind of pump mechanism to push it through your intestinal tract out through the rectum so that we can have a bowel movement. And that, if you think about that pump and release, pump and release, and the tubing kind of structure of the intestinal tract, it's very similar to plumbing. And plumbing, there needs to be a certain amount of surface tension on 
on the pipes in a plumbing situation so that things it's it's either you know it's things either go through a pipe because of the direction the pipe is going or because the the there's less pressure at the top and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and it kind of kind of gets shot through that area so so if we think about that we need to think about how the abdominal wall when it's healthy and strong and supportive and kind of elongating you and drawing everything in it creates this pressure against the peristalsis of the intestinal tract to allow things to move through productively when it does not have that there is a risk of things getting backed up things getting kind of sluggish and not effectively squeezing everything through so there's residual gas or stool that kind of creates um irritable bowel symptoms or can create um, excess gas and distension or excess bowel um, uh, matter and distension and then and then it can create the need to have to really bear down for bowel movements or the the posturing to kind of protect our tummy where we kind of really allow our stomach to push out because it feels so much better than having any more pressure on it or we kind of curve our body around that achy, gassy, you know, area. Um, all of this, you know, kind of creates havoc on our intestinal tract. And then there's this, this disconnect that also can happen um, when, when this is in our happy place, when our gut health doesn't feel good or, or the distension makes us self-conscious of a, our bloated tummies, um, that we disconnect. We don't want to feel that. We kind of remove ourselves from it. And we know from other things that we've taught you guys how disconnect can affect blood flow, healthy blood flow to an area of your body. If you you connection increases blood flow, so decreased blood flow can affect the function of all of our internal organs. So you'll see that as as we start increasing blood flow to the area, how everything starts to work in a much happier way, um, a much more functional way. So, you know, thinking about that, how all organs have this ideal placement and how the, the stomach and the GI tract um, needs support, specifically the intestinal tract needs that support for the peristalsis and how gas distension, food intolerances, um, and all of that stuff can increase forward forceful pressure on the abdominal wall, which can keep the abdominal wall, if you have a diastasis, can keep it from healing. It can keep your body from being able to um, function well because you're pushing out instead of elongating and drawing in to support yourself. So then we have the inevitable constipation, the bearing down, difficult bowel movements, maybe uncoordination where you can't even feel how you could push things out or the need to excessively push things out and let, instead of allowing the peristalsis to allow, to push and you to just be supportive of the peristalsis. Um, there can be this dim, difficulty fully emptying the bowels. You feel like you go, but there's still stuff in there. Gas, bloating, you know, irritable bowel type things that related with cramping. Um, and now we have to bear down. We're holding our breath, bearing down, and then we get into this pattern of pushing down. And that pushing down can also inevitably be pushing down on the pelvic floor muscles and can create 
pelvic floor or rectal prolapse issues can create excessive hemorrhoids issues. Um, there's a cycle. You can see the cycle that we don't have good support, so the intestinal tract isn't functioning well. So then because the intestinal tract isn't functioning well, we use all these weird strategies to kind of push down, which now creates more forward forceful pressure on the abdominal wall, which keeps the diastasis from healing. And the diastasis not healing keeps the intestinal tract from functioning well, and we go on this cycle around and around and around. The really serious consequences of this, other than just how terrible you feel when your intestinal tract is not functioning well, um, the, the, the consequences can be a bowel obstruction, bowel blockages that can relate, you know, can, can lead to like surgical interventions. Um, and I have a, I have a couple case studies about that, that I'm going to share at the end of this, this, um, at the end of this podcast. So you can see how this is really relevant in real clients, uh, situations, um, so now let's combine the kid things and the digestion things because the most common cause of an, an unhealing diastasis recti in children is related to their intestinal tract function, um, constipation, and their potty posture habits. Um, so we'll talk about how at the tummy team we treat this. And obviously... There's a comprehensive approach to this, but I'm going to kind of hit the bullet, bullet points for you guys so you kind of can start pulling things together. So, and there's a different way we approach it with kids than we do with adults, but really we, it's the same thing. It's just the kids need you to do the work for them. And sometimes um, they haven't learned like bad habits that they have to retrain. We just have to kind of coach them and encourage them in the right way. But for adults, we kind of have to relearn how to do things more effectively um, but the relearning process is drawing from um, strategies that are innate to your body or how your body was designed in the first place. So they start to organically feel natural. All right. So functional core rehab obviously is the way we go. We really look at retraining and reconnecting to that transverse abdominus, that core muscle, so that we can um, put you in the right alignment first, the pelvis and the rib cage alignment to get that muscle to work. We teach you about the breathing to learn how to exhale and engage and elongate um, so that you can feel that muscle and support that muscle. A key part for the digestive component is abdominal massage. There's several things that abdominal massage specifically are going to help in kids and in babies that also help in adults. Um, the first thing is it increases blood flow to the area. So it brings in blood flow and it helps to bring blood flow in, not just to the muscles and the connective tissue, but to the organs below there that help things to function better. We also can use that our, our hands in the way we do some of the abdominal massage, the circular motion, the, the kind of XO exercise that we give you um, to facilitate the movement of the digestive system to kind of facilitate the gas and the bowel to kind of move in the direction that it needs to move through the intestinal tract. We can stimulate it with like some little finger walking stuff that stimulates the, the peristalsis to, to function and engage and not be so sluggish. So we can help the belly to kind of process and help the gas to kind of be pushed through and help the pockets of kind of stuck stagnant stool to be moved through the intestinal tract so that 
we kind of keep things moving. So that's really essential with the babies and the toddlers to kind of help that. And in a really, even when they're not in a crisis of but throughout you know a regular pattern if this is a struggle that you or the little ones are having trouble with to encourage and support the blood flow and the the movement um that's supposed to happen there so so that's that's a really key part also um splinting in little babies and kids to kind of help give that counter pressure that they can't you can't tell them, oh, stand up taller or engage your core, but that that giving that extra support in a real, you know, like a nice hug type supportive way can help the body go, oh yeah, that's the, how the muscles are supposed to draw in. It's kind of like swaddling them, honestly, kind of how that calms their nervous system down and how it pulls everything together. It's pretty much just swaddling the belly um, and, and giving that that support to the core and to the organs so that they can function better. And in adults, it, it that splint can also support, which feels very counterintuitive to somebody that has had a lot of um, bloating or distension. We always think, oh gosh, I don't want anything tight on my tummy. I totally get that. And I don't want it to be tight. I just want you to have a little bit of extra support so you can see how you might be forcefully pushing out when that's actually not what's going to help. Even though it feels like that's what you need to do, that's not actually what's going to help. The alignment specifically with what we lovingly call potty posture, how you're sitting on the toilet. Um, we are big proponents of squatty potty. Um, being in a squatted position is how our bodies were designed to use the bathroom. It opens up the pelvic canal by 33%. It unkinks the bowels. Um, and if we can elongate at the same time, then it actually, you know, draws the tummy up and in to support the intestinal tract while you're relaxing the pelvic floor. So squatty potty or using squatty potty type techniques with the kids while you're doing potty training. Sometimes they're too small for the toilet they're on, so their feet are dangling, and now they have to push. So those lower, like, on the floor little kitty potties are sometimes better or even just having a squatty potty for kids where they have a place to put their feet helps them to angle their pelvis a little bit better but also helps them to not feel so scared on the toilet <laughs> um so so teaching and learning the coordination of the core and the pelvic floor to support your um your digestive tract and the di the bowel movements really really important um, and and we, we talk about that disassociation. The transverse and the pelvic floor have a natural co-contraction, which means that when you engage your core, you naturally engage your pelvic floor. So they work together 99% of the time. The two times they need to disassociate, which means the core needs to do one thing and the pelvic floor needs to do the opposite, is for childbirth and bowel movements. So when we relax the pelvic floor and draw the tummy in, those times, that that is not always natural for people. They usually push out the tummy, push down on the pelvic floor. So we need to retrain that strategy, and it's totally retrainable, and it's way more effective. And then you'll get into that point where, oh, my goodness, when I do this, I don't actually have to push. The intestinal tract actually pushes the bowels through, and there's a natural ejection reaction in the rectum that kind of expels you know, your, your, your bowel movement, your, you know, the waste product. So it kind of goes through. So, 
so it doesn't have to be about the pushing. Uh, you know, we it's also important to kind of start looking at what is causing this gas? What is causing these intestinal issues? Do I have things that my body is not tolerating in my diet um, or the baby is not tolerating in their diet? Looking for those triggers to see how can I also look at what's causing some of these gas issues to kind of address it at both, both sides of the spectrum, so to speak. Um, we obviously do belly breaths and the transverse work and for kids, when they're real little, obviously, when they're babies, we're not doing that. When they're toddlers, we do blowing games with straws and pinwheels and whistles and, you know, different things like that and teaching them how to use their core with the, and like songs and singing and different things like that. So we have creative ways to, to teach you to play with your kiddo to have them access the muscles that maybe got neglected because of some other strategy they chose to use at some given time in their development. So all this, all this really does play a role and it's all connected. So sometimes we see clients in the clinic and their number one thing is their digestion. They're constipated, they have painful gas, they have a distended tummy. That's what they came for. And yes, maybe we find a diastasis or maybe we just find functional core weakness, but it's all connected, right? Um, and, and like I said, all of the little, just most of the little guys that we see, most of the toddlers and babies that we work with, we work with the parents because it's almost always related to a digestive component or it develops in, maybe it didn't start out that, maybe it was colic that started it. Um, or maybe it was a low tone issue that is now, uh, now a distended belly constipation issue. So we kind of address it that way. So, so I had, I'll never forget um, the first client that I had that really helped me recognize that the the strong connection here. She um, was a lady in her 60s um, that was very active um, and um, was retired, but uh, her husband was a pilot and they liked to travel. And she liked to travel all over the place, but she was having um, a recurrent issue of bowel obstructions where she had had, when I had seen her, she had 13, a history of 13 different bowel resections. And many of them were international and overseas because she would have an, uh, a bowel obstruction episode when she was traveling and when she was in a, another country and it, she would be hospitalized. And that was the solution. And um, we started working on functional core strength and potty posture and abdominal massage. And um, she had had chronic constipation her her adult life. Most since she had had her kids, she had she kind of wasn't really couldn't really remember if she struggled with it before she had her kids, but she knew for sure after she had her kids that this became an issue for her. And it just it was at that cycle that we talked about. It's just kind of constantly going. And we started to break down that cycle with some abdominal massage and just potty posture. Squatty potty was a life changer for her. And, um, and she had such a dramatic change within six weeks that, you know, she felt like her life was, had totally changed. Um, I, she, she there started traveling again. We had strategies to dealing with traveling and hydration and, you know, taking a squatty potty um, with her using different things 
for um, to use like as a squatty potty um, abdominal massage. And um, she has not had, I, that was seven years ago, she has not had one bowel obstruction since, not one surgery since. So, I mean, that that is pretty impactful. Um, and, and, you know, with, I, I'll share a different story of uh, a little toddler, four years old, he was adopted by a family here in our in our community from Ethiopia. His first two and a half years were in Ethiopia where he was very malnutrition, had a very distended abdominal wall, um, and his body was really having a hard time adjusting to food and adjusting to how it needed to function. And um, we we started with just some gentle abdominal massage every night before he went to bed. We um, then added a really loose splint, which he at first felt weird, but at, like after like three or four days, he loved this splint, did not want to take the splint off. Um, we started realizing how much um, that not just the, the, diastasis was affecting digestion, but we started realizing how it was also um, impacting some of his development, physical development. So the splint gave him that support. So, you know, he, he made a full recovery, was able to do a lot of great things. So it, it's just, it's just, I want, I wanted to share these stories and I wanted to share all this connection with you guys so that you would know how it is connected and know that there are resources. I would recommend, if this is something you're struggling with, I would recommend either Core Foundations or Core Foundations for Men or our Tummy Team Toddler course if you're dealing with babies or toddlers. There's a lot more information that we have in our podcast notes, and um, we'll be talking more about this with clients. And I just wanted you to know how it's all connected. So hopefully that was helpful information for you guys. If you have any questions, reach out to us. Let us know and check out what we do at thetummyteam.com. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Tummy Team Journey podcast. To hear more inspiring stories, subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. And of course, to get more information, check out all that we do at thetummyteam.com. We would love to help you be strong for the life you were meant to live.